Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new season of Opera After Dark. Yay, season three. Season three. are listening for the very first time this is a podcast of real and ridiculous stories from across music history not just opera though we talk about a lot of opera right you should treat this podcast like a netflix series where you need to start at the beginning and, <laughs> and listen and to binge every. listen and binge listen <laughs> listen to every single episode or you won't get this story no no you'll totally get it <laughs> You can skip in and out, but we would love it if you listen to every single episode. For our first episode of the third season of Opera After Dark, we have something really exciting and special for you guys. We actually were able to get together for a call with the creators and producers of the Opera Wire uh, website and blog. Uh, Hopefully many of you know it. If not, you should certainly find it. It's at operawire.com. Its creators are a pair of brothers, David and Francisco Salazar, uh, who themselves are big opera fans. And uh, one of the great, in my opinion, the the greatest parts of their their website is in announcing uh, each new season. As soon as each big opera house announces its season to come, they're sure to post about it so all of us can keep tabs on what's going on and what we can look forward to in the year to come. So we're going to jump right in to our phone call with David and Francisco Salazar of Opera Wire. I hope you enjoy. Thank you guys so much for, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us. It was awesome that you reached out. I really appreciate that. Sure, sure. Uh, well, why don't you guys take a quick moment to introduce yourselves and to tell us a little bit about Opera Wire. Yeah, so obviously my bro- friend and I are brothers. We started Opera Wire together mm-hmm. um, December 2016. And in addition to that, I mean, we have a media content production. We have a media production company, mm-hmm. um, and we also make video. And we're actually just wrapping up our first feature film. Oh, wow. And well, we're down amazing. here in Colombia. Because, thank you. We yeah. shot it last last October. It's been We're kind of finishing up editing here, and we're doing sound editing and music recording. We're also, I'm a violinist. Francisco's a cellist, and we're going to oh, do some of the cool. audio. We're going to do the score recording here um, yeah. with wow. the music, um, with the sound editor. So we're finishing up that in kind of like the next month or so, and then we're back in New York in time for the start of the 2018-19 season. That's fantastic. You guys are, are multi-talented, to say the least. Thanks. So, how did you, so you guys are both um, instrumentalists. How did you sort of fall into like the world of, um, of opera? I just think that, um, well, we were introduced with opera from my, from my dad. 
Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of took us to the opera. We didn't really like it. You know, when we were studying music, when we were studying cello and violin, um, we kind of just started to really immerse ourselves into the classical music world. And within that classical music world, there were lots of there was a lot of opera and there was a lot of um, instrumental parts that were written by opera composers. So I think that was really the introduction of classical music. And then in, and then we were headed into the opera world. So it was just kind of like a step into it. My dad mm -hmm. loves opera, so we asked him to go again after he said no more. Right. <laughs> and it was kind of like a very slow and steady uh, uh, love for it. It yeah. was progression. It, it wasn't like well, the first time I went to the opera, I fell in love. No, it was kind of like... I think we, we really just... came into it until like in our late teens. Mm -hmm. um, we started going to college is when we really started to kind of wake up to this. And yeah, it's been kind of a love affair that's been growing ever since. And... Um, you know, we were with Latin Post, which is which was a was just formerly a website that kind of covered um, you know Latin American pop culture and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. we actually kind of convinced them to let us cover opera and opera some Latin American opera singers, um, and they let me. And you know, we started kind of getting into that and seeing that there's actually a republic and, and people that actually care about opera and want to read about opera. Right. Mm -hmm. And from, you know, when Latin Post went out of business and we were kind of left figuring out what we were going to do next, Opera Wire was kind of this little baby for us. that we kind of yeah. like birthed. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think yeah. it sounds like we're all on the same page. You know, we as opera fans uh, that are also young people, uh, we identify with and realize that there are... Um, there's this big opening, there's this empty space where a lot of content surrounding opera is done in a very traditional way. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's nice to see other people that are taking a kind of a new age approach to talking about opera and um, providing opera content. Definitely. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was really shocking to me too. I mean, when we, when we decided to go forward with this, um, that there isn't really like... I mean, there are news sites and there are websites that dedicate themselves to opera, but not on a big enough scale that you would say, you know, we're getting coverage everywhere or we're looking to cover as much as possible. You know, obviously there's companies right. like, you know, Forum Opera, but they, they specialize mainly in what's going on in France. France but there, which is Spain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that's I, I really enjoy the content that you guys put together because it's it's on such a wide scale and also informative. Mm -hmm. And I do, right. I, I particularly, particularly appreciate the season announcements that you guys put out. <laughs> um, just because I don't know, it's unless you follow every single opera company or you're on it's all of their email difficult. lists. Um, it's hard to know what's coming up when or, or when they announce it. Right. Um, so right. I, lo I love seeing that, you know, starting in like January, February, when it just starts coming out, you know, one after the other. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And yeah. we don't even know if we get everyone. But yeah. We I mean, I get a feeling we're missing a lot. I'm discovering that we're still, I mean, the thing is, I mean, just doing this, we're, we're discovering so much out there that we didn't ever think existed because of the fact that there is no coverage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and that's that's where you say like when we started Opera Wire, one of the biggest questions I had was, are we going to have enough content week in and a week out to keep this thing sustainable, or is this just going to become a periodic kind of blog kind of thing? Sure. Because a yeah. news site requires daily updates and and news, you know. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, when we're we're finding like all these companies that exist around around the globe, 
um, yeah, that content wasn't an issue. Then it became an issue of, well, how do the two of us how do, you do it? it? <laughs> how do the two of us keep it going yeah. by yeah. ourselves? Yeah, is, is it just the two of you guys that are just sort I of mean, trying to cover everything in, in the world, basically? I mean, it's it, it's 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 unfair to call it a two-man operation because we do have a lot of people around the world that, like, you know, they volunteer their time to go review mm-hmm. operas for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, that I'm thankful for that because I do have a lot of Euro- European writers and I have a lot of writers on the West Coast and all over the States because otherwise it would very be very limited in terms of what kind of reviews we could do. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, we, we live in New York, so, you know, obviously New York has a lot, but I was always afraid that I was going to be Met-centric. I'm just so happy that there's people in Europe that saw Opera Wire were like, I'd love to write for you. I mean, I go through a very intense vetting process with everyone because mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. want to make sure. And and the thing is, I have a very strong opinion about what reviews should be, and mm-hmm. um and very um yeah, I have a very strong opinion about that. And um, it's I'm still trying to get writers out of the mindset of what most people think a review is into trying to bring them into what I think a review is, which I think is more of an analysis approach. Yeah. Um. So I'm still working on that. But even then, I do vet my writers very intensely. And I'm thankful that I found I got a good crop of people that are very dedicated. And that, I mean, obviously, you know, for them, the perk is they love opera and they get to go to opera, you know, for free in quotes mm-hmm. because you yeah. don't have to write about it. But, you know, sure. for them, it's a it's an amazing uh, opportunity. Also, it's also like really interesting because we've discovered a lot of artists that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. We've also discovered a lot of a lot of different types of operas that we don't really that I or my brother wouldn't really go to or that we wouldn't know about because we're not, you know, because it's so big, because we're so focused. It's on opened up our, it's our opened mind. up a lot about what, what content we can do, what singers there are out there and what mm-hmm. things we can talk and about. what opera is, which is, I think, yeah. which is, I think, which is really, which is something that people don't quite understand. People's conception of opera and what opera really is are two different things. Like the general public thinks of opera as this traditional art form that's outdated and that's in vernacular, you know, old like languages like Italian, German, and French. They don't understand that opera is continually evolving, and that's a fascinating thing for me. That's an experience for me. That's something that I've learned personally doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And don't you guys think that uh, when people are used to just going to their one home opera house, even if it is a house like the Met, that you are getting that one circle of information you're getting that the the one season of operas and the same performers that generally come through even though it can be a ton of performers at a place like the met there with content like opera wire you're able to have access to people that only perform in europe you know or or operas that are premiering in europe and won't be in the states for well it's interesting because you know we we're right now in colombia and they're gonna do the actually the the Colombian premiere of the Rosen Cavalier, believe it or not. Oh wow! Um, wow! And uh, one of the big American singers of our time, Angela Brower, she only performs in Munich. Mostly, she's doing her lyric opera. She's make she's gonna be here, and I've never seen her, so it's gonna be really interesting to That's cool. see a, a singer that I've never that I've, that I've only seen on television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so fantastic. that's something that you're excited for to sort of bring yeah, it. Yeah around to it's, it's <laughs> exciting to to be able to and you know w- when you travel and you go to europe you see artists that you're, you really love and that you can't see in america <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely have you noticed having done these season announcements or everything that's happening over the world in, in 1819 have you noticed like possibly specific trends 
of what's like really popular this season. Like I for the Met, for example, we're just like mentioning that because it's, you know, across the street and it's a huge <laughs> thing. Um, like, you know, the ring is 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 the big deal. It's a huge deal okay. in most companies yeah. this this season. But you know, there's a lot of rare opera happening this season. A lot of world premieres. And a lot of world premieres that are going on, and a lot. Yeah, of, a why lot don't of you her... guys talk about that? What's like a, a world premiere that you're super excited about? So I think one of the world premieres that we were actually talking about was um, Lady Swanway, which is going to be at Opera Tampa. It's actually uh, Anton Coppola's uh, latest work. And mm -hmm. one one of the reasons that we were really excited about, because we actually interviewed Anton Coppola, and uh, Dave had a really interesting conversation with him that just really got us really hyped about the fact that this, this guy... He's, he's 100 years old. Oh, my God. And Wait, is he? Really? Yeah. yeah. No. Yep. 100 a, years old. That's amazing. And yeah, it was amazing. I mean, when I interviewed him, he talked about like you know getting talking to these people that knew Puccini, you know, in right. person. Right. And he himself, blowing. He, he himself composed a new ending to Turandot last year that that premiered. Mm -hmm. Apparently, it was quite good. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what you know what he you know I, I mean at that age to come up with a new opera. That's something that. I mean, opera tempo. The weather's nice down there. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's ambitious to have a, 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 a composer at that age do something so interesting and new. Yeah. I think that that's really awesome, and he's a, he's a legend in the opera world. So I think that that's something that's definitely one of the world premieres. Definitely is very exciting. Yeah. And another world premiere that I think is really exciting, and I think it's more because of who is performing in it, is Berenice uh, by Michael. Jarrell, who's that's going to be making his world premiere at the Opera de Paris, uh, mm -hmm. because it was composed for uh, Barbara Hannigan. Oh, um, wow. Know, Barbara I'm obsessed Hannigan with her. <laughs> is an incredible performer. Her, her voice is, is something special, and she's a great performer. Oh, um, yeah. Klaus, Klaus Gut is also going to be doing the, the direct. He's an interesting director. He's an interesting director. Mm -hmm. And Philippe, Philippe Duran is going to be conducting. So I think, I think just, just those three performers in itself uh is is something to, to to definitely take notice and then like a final world premiere that i had was hadrian oh yes Opera Company. oh yeah we're actually not talking about this yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah. i i'm extremely excited about this uh, but actually you guys talk about it and then i'll give you my two cents well, <laughs> I, mean, I think i think what excites us most i mean is just the fact that they were able to get these three performers thomas hampson Kerry mm -hmm. tomatila and they got Ben Hefner out of out of retirement right. to come and do a cameo role. I mean, that's just incredible. And these are three legends that are going to be performing. Um, right. And of course, Rufus Wainwright is a very interesting composer to definitely um, yeah. to talk about it as well. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. and it's interesting subject matter, I think. Yeah. They've been releasing a lot of really neat videos or news pieces lately about the design process for Hadrian. Okay. So the costume designs look really phenomenal and eye-catching so i'm excited to see the kind of visual aesthetic of it as well yeah i mean i, I it's it's it, like i said i think just 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 seeing that cast that they put together mm -hmm. and the, the, the team that they put together i think that that makes it also really exciting so for mm -hmm. me those are three pro premieres that yeah I mean, that have to be seen yeah yeah definitely but yeah i last summer i was working in aspen and they were workshopping uh, the Aspen Opera Center was workshopping Hadrian uh, with mm -hmm. Rufus Wainwright. And so I got to listen to a little bit of it. 
um, and it definitely sounds interesting. It's a pretty um, thick orchestration, um, mm-hmm. pretty pretty mm-hmm. heavy, but I thought it I thought it was compelling. So I'll be excited to hear um, in one way or the other hear the full work. For sure, I completely agree. Wow, well, you guys are already taking us on a good tour, um, <laughs> definitely around uh, North America and even into Europe. Uh, but we, so we wanted to ask you guys, uh, as I imagine our, our listeners will want to know, uh, what we can look out for, particularly in the U.S. with U.S. companies, uh, and then also uh, in international opera houses, not just Europe. Maybe uh, if what you're most excited about is in Europe, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, and, and what what stands out to you guys as far as new productions that look great, uh, new castings that that look particularly good, and even revivals of, of old productions that that really stand out. So I'm gonna start with um, Opera Philadelphia because Opera Philadelphia has done some really great stuff over the <laughs> past two years, and this is their second um, oh eighteenth. This is their second festival that they're going to be right, putting right. on. And just in general, if you look at what they what they what they're presenting, it's always very interesting things. And um, you know they have such great artists, Patricia Rochette, Stephanie Blythe, all of these Anthony Rath Costanzo, all of these performers yes. are going to be over there doing some very interesting things. Um, but if we look at like the traditional um, opera, the, they have a new production um, of Lucia de la Mermour um, mm-hmm. with Lauren Pelly directing. And, you know, Lauren Pelly, if you've seen his productions at the Metropolitan Opera, he's done the late last Cendrillon, he did oh, La Fille de right. Regiment, mm-hmm. so he's an, and he did Manon as well. He's an interesting director who always has a very creative and very as colorful. Can, colorful and theatrical, if we're going to talk uh, about theatrical, <laughs> sure. uh, way, way of approaching of the work and not only that but they've also put together a cast of some of the greatest american singers right now uh, michael spires brenda ray and christian van horn who just won the richard tucker gal richard tucker award mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean this this casting is impressive and it's something that um is definitely uh, great to look out for and plus that production is then going to the vienna state opera um with Juan Diego Flores and olga Pedetiatko. so that should be also really interesting to see how that cast interprets that production that that's opening it in philadelphia first right yeah. and then and then another um u.s com- i mean company to look out for that i find very interesting i, I saw them uh, way back a few years ago um is um odyssey opera and they oh, have this okay. really interesting yeah. thing every season where they do the like productions operas around a theme and this past season they did helen of, i mean not helen of troy Jelena, um, joan, of joan of arc oh. um, and next year they're doing stuff to celebrate gounod who will be um, celebrating his 200th anniversary. Oh, birth. very nice. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. That's great. And they will also be doing Helen of Troy based on operas. And mm-hmm. I mean, the li- I mean, I couldn't, we couldn't pick one because it's just a really right. interesting collection of works. Most of them are very eclectic, very like rare. Um, it's a very nice collection. And you've got, you know, two operas by Gounod that you've probably never heard, Barren de Saba and mm-hmm. Le Médecin Malgré Louis. Mm-hmm. And then you have, in terms of the Helen of Troy theme, you have Gluck, you have Strauss, and you have um, Offenbach, 
which are three very different composers from wow. three different yeah. periods of time. Yeah. So I just think that that's a really amazing. I think that what they what they're trying to achieve by trying to kind of give us different perspectives on historic figures or important composers is just a really it's just great programming in my yeah, opinion. Definitely. And and will you guys? I'm actually not very familiar with Odyssey Opera. Um, where are they based? Would you mind telling? They're in Boston. Boston. Oh, Boston. Okay. Boston. And yeah. how does any do any of us have an idea of, of how long they've been around or or producing? They're they're not they're relatively new. They're new they're re- yeah. Yeah, but they're really hitting their stride the last few seasons nice. with and the way that got, they're and they've gotten some very good uh, top singers. You know, Kate Aldridge performed with them last year. Okay. So I mean, they have some very top end. I mean, I think they've been around for a little while, but I think like the last couple of seasons, they really kind of started shifting the way that they approach their programming. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of started to give them a lot more momentum. And, and I really think that in a couple of years, they're going to be pretty, uh, they're going to be a pretty prominent company in terms of like, you know, the way that, you know, pe- they're going to get bigger singers. They're going to get mm-hmm. more well-known singers. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't have good quality now, but they're going to get much better. Nice. Nice. Years comes by. And, that's when, Oh, go ahead. No, no, please, please. I, I was just going to say, what a great opportunity for those audience members to be able to have that, that type of curated season that is surrounding a, th- a central theme. Uh, I imagine as an audience member, that would be really exciting. And, and it gives you more of a reason to see each opera on the season. You know, you don't want to miss out on, on the full picture. Right. That's something that if we're going to talk about, like a lot of companies that are trying to figure out I feel like you look at some of these programs and sometimes you wonder what some companies are thinking in terms of the audience they're trying to grab because it's just all over the place. And it looks like they're trying to grab a lot of different audiences instead of focusing on, you know, specific ones. But especially the smaller companies because, you know, they're putting on less works. And I think that this kind of programming where it's really kind of – it looks very well thought out and it's, it's very varied in terms of what they're offering. Yeah. I think that's the kind of thing that it's a strategy that can really go a long way in ter- when when you're trying to put on an opera season. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, shoot. Now we have to figure out how we're going to get to Boston, uh, <laughs> so so we can see this season uh, at, at various points, or at least part of it. Uh, oh, Boston. That in Philadelphia. <laughs> another <laughs> another really interesting um, production. Um, well. I, I see this more for the casting. Um, in, at the Michigan Opera Theater, they're doing a production of Eugene Onegin, um, and this is with, with Corinne Winters. And I, I had the opportunity of seeing Corinne Winters a few years back at the Royal Opera House. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, she's one of the American singers that we have to look out for because she is the real deal, and I think she's going to be a big star in a few years. Um, yeah. I, uh, fingers crossed. But it, she's she's one that you have to... that you that, if you have to see a performer this year, she's one to go see, especially because she's she doesn't come to the U.S. very often. Right, right. Mm. So is that her only stop in the U.S. this season? No, she's she's a couple of stops in the U.S., but this is a new role for her, oh, and okay. that's something that that's it's always a good opportunity to see uh, this performer do something new and different. Excellent. Her her big role has been La Taliata over the over the past few years, mm-hmm. so uh, it should be interesting to see uh, Tatiana. Right, um, right. This, I was in this role debut. I was going to say, uh, of course, tra- uh, Traviata is always a good starting point. Uh, yes. But Tatiana, I feel like, you know, is, is that next level up uh, mm-hmm, in exactly. someone's career. So what a, that's an exciting opportunity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very nice. 
And another production that we're also really excited for uh, is in San Diego. It's actually uh, Jake Heggie's Three Decembers, and it stars, of course, legendary uh-huh. Frederica Bonstad and uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Labrie, who uh, is one of those baritones who I think is going to have a huge career in a few years. He's uh, I saw him a few a few months ago and with the New Amsterdam Opera and La Favorita, and he completely stole the show from everyone else. And uh, it's this is his debut. It's his role debut as well. So I think it's it's a it's a great cast yeah it's a very good work um and it's something definitely uh worth worth checking out at san diego this year interesting yeah i i feel like san diego does a good job of putting together interesting productions um considering they're you know it's not a huge house but they they put right. together a, a variety of operas with with great casting oftentimes they do they do they do i mean this season this season for them is very traditional you know they have hansel and gretel they have Nozze di figaro they have rigoletto they have carmen mm-hmm. and three december is really kind of the opera that's not really in that mold of the top you know the, the sure. as they quote, quote unquote top five operas you know in terms of popularity yeah. And, and obviously, Jake Heggie, I, I really like his music quite a bit. And, I, and it's really great that um, we have a composer that, you know, a modern composer whose music is is very accessible. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In my opinion. Um, and then, you know, his works are, are, are great. Um, you know, I love Moby Dick, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's really interesting to, to watch, especially his collaboration with Frederica von Stad who's, you know, legendary singer, and right. she's such a big champion of his work, and it's, it's, she's so right, she's right at home with it. So San Diego has has an, a good season, but for me, this is the one that really stands out, and I feel like it's the one that, I, you know, if I had to pick one, that's the one I would see. I know. It's interesting that of, of all these different operas that you have mentioned, I think that particular one might be the most compelling uh, for me, I guess that I'm also, like I said, very excited about Hadrian, but uh, <laughs> but that should also be good in San Diego. Well, I'm also looking forward to the, the fact that Virginia Opera is putting Kurt Weill's a uh, street scene. Um, oh, really? I always find oh, Kurt, wow. Kurt Weill really interesting because he has a very, it's very rangy from very musical theater, uh, but also has this very operatic way of writing. So it's always really interesting to to to, to check out his music and to, to listen to what he has to offer and you know they just did street scene at the Teatro Real in Madrid mm-hmm. but in the US they barely do this work so it's a great opportunity to see it at night when everything is quiet this old house seems to breathe a sigh sometimes I hear a neighbor snoring Sometimes I hear a baby cry. Sometimes I hear a staircase creaking. Sometimes a distant telephone. And the quiet settles down again.
done your fair share of research into Kurt Weill, correct? I I have. So I did a little mini series, lecture series on um, the the German Zeitoper trend and Kurt Weill's role in that. But those all of those operas like Kurt Weill, Hindemith, they, they're almost never performed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when they do come around, it's really interesting to see them because they really are, and each of those composers were very varied in their styles and Kurt Weill, even his life story is very interesting, like his immigration story and how he right. came to the U.S. and then did a lot of work on Tin Pan Alley and that type of thing. So, yeah, yeah very interesting to listen to. Why, why mm-hmm. is it that you think that they're not performed as often? Well, I mean, Street Scene's got a cast of like a million people. It's huge. Um, <laughs> it's huge. It's and it huge. requires like a lot of different type of skill sets. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> Because like an opera, but it's not really an opera, and they're like these musical theater sections of it, and there's dancing. Like it's just, it's a big thing. It requires mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of production elements, and I, I honestly think that's why. Mm-hmm. And that's you know? another reason. Why, and that's another reason why I'm so interested to see some a company like Virginia, which is like I guess you would call it a middle mid company in terms of yeah. size. Yeah. They put on four operas a year. I'm really interested to see what they put on, what they do with it, with something that like that. Yeah, I wonder, I'm sure they had to take a creative approach from a casting standpoint, um, looking at such a big cast like that. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, when that yes. happens. Do you guys have any <laughs> idea what, what time in the year that's going to happen? Yes, we do. It's actually, I have it in front of it's me. It's actually it's opening the season. It's September 28th. Oh, gosh, oh, wow. coming up quick. So very soon after yeah. after this episode releases. So. <laughs> if, you, if you don't already yes. have have your tickets, you gotta you gotta look quick. So you guys have talked about um, a lot of of stuff all over the world. If you could pick, if each of you could pick one thing that is like your ride or die, <laughs> you gotta see it this season, or you're like missing the opportunity of a lifetime. Like what well, what would it be? Well, we're, we've just talked about the U.S. <laughs> right, right, ago. yeah, we have we, a whole... Yeah, uh, but like sh- anywhere, the whole world, the world is your oyster. What is the well, thing well, that you got to see? Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'm a very big Anna Trepko fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I follow her career everywhere she goes, and uh, this year she's going to be doing uh, La Forza del Destino at, at, uh, at the Royal Opera House, and she's being joined by Jonas Kaufman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the second time that they've ever done a production together, so I think... Right. Uh, well, if there's anything, you know, as as a few love, you know, these big stars, I mean, there's nothing better than seeing the two biggest opera stars sure. performing in a production together. Yeah, right. yeah. I can't, I, I, I can't I, even I imagine how fast that. how fast that's going to sell out, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and the thing right. is, they're not going to start already. selling tickets until January. Yeah, those tickets don't oh. get started selling until Because ROE sells it by, like, by, by seasonal. Right, you know, right. They sell the fall tickets first, and then they sell the spring tickets later. So, yeah, it'll that's... be interesting to see how hard it is to get tickets for that. I know. Gosh. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll I'll mark my calendar. Um, <laughs> that's going to be I mean, one where where you have to book your plane ticket like well before yeah, you can even buy the opera like, ticket. Well before you buy the tickets, exactly. Yeah. Well, the good thing is it's going to be on. Uh, it's going to go to the movie theater. So for oh. those who are not going to be able to oh, see great. it, it will be recorded. Thankfully. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Nice. I would, I'm, 
I would usually um, probably say I'm not going to be lazy and say yeah the same thing because that's kind of <laughs> the easy way out of this. Right, right. Um, but I'm actually really interested in one particular opera that's going to be playing in Madrid next season, which is Comquevos, which is a Portuguese opera. Ah, um, nice. Oh, wow. And um, it's just interesting because opera in Portuguese is not really something that we often hear very much right. or at all. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're gonna have uh, they're gonna have a Starfadista, which is a musical style from Portugal, okay. in the opera. So that should be interesting. I mean, really interested to see what they do with you know that kind of style in the context of opera. I, I'm always very like last year they had a mariachi opera, and I mean right. you know you have Maria de Buenos Aires, which has kind of a tango. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see when they mix genres like that into opera and what they come up with. And so that's that's one that I will that I'll vouch for. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds great. And do you know are are there many Portuguese or Brazilian singers in that production? I would imagine that some singers would be afraid of taking on uh that new language. Well, there there are um Portuguese singers in this work and there's also a German singer actually who's going to be performing in it. Oh, okay. Um but you know, it was interesting because I, I did an interview with a Spanish singer and she she told me that there's a lot of Portuguese song um, that that it's not recognized, but a lot of Spanish singers they do sing in Portu- Portuguese because oh, okay. you know the language is very similar to to oh. Spanish. Well, it's, yeah, it's very similar to Spanish. Uh, perhaps even just uh, linguistically in yeah. you know the muscles and and shaping the the various sounds. Exactly. Um, it, it may not be so far off. Uh, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, I also I imagine you guys have have plenty of other examples from around Europe in the world uh, of things to look out for. Is there is there anything else that that comes to mind? <laughs> well, I do want to say one thing before I go to Europe. Sure. And there's uh, um and there's a, a there's a great American tenor Gregory Kunde, mm-hmm. who last time he performed a stage a stage production in the U.S. was in 2007 at the Metropolitan Opera, and he was the cover of that of that um of that run and there was a ipuritani mm-hmm. um with anna Netrepko. Oh, wow. uh and he's coming back this year to the united states he's going to dallas opera and he's going to be performing in man on the sco um and he is one of the greatest american tenors there is out there um right now i mean he's huge in europe he's wow he's that's, a star in europe that's amazing i i'm basically unfamiliar i, I don't know him Mm-hmm. He is a star in Europe. He's never actually had a formal debut at the Met, um, and he's doesn't really perform here in the United States. So wow. Dallas is bringing him uh, back, thankfully. That's great. Uh, because the U.S. has to hear this tenor. I got to hear him in at the Royal Opera House a few years back in Il Trattore, and I was surprised that someone who at the at his, the fact that he started as a a light lyric tenor singing Rossini and singing um, all of the lyric lyric uh, uh, repertoire, mm-hmm. he would go and he would he would expand his repertoire to such dramatic, to such a dramatic uh, fuck. So I think yeah. it's something that um, all Americans have to have to expose themselves to. <laughs> and I'm yeah. just gonna and I'm just gonna put in one word since we keep talking about the Met. And they do put on 30 operas every year. I'm just going to pick one opera that I really think that is going to be stellar. And that's the Dialogue of the Carmelites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which has an amazing cast. that includes Carita Matila, Isabel Leonard, Karen Carhill, Aaron Morley, Adriana Pizzonka, Debbie Portillo, 
and Yannick Nezis again is conducting. So nice. it's going to be the best. Yeah, it's going to be live in HD, which is great. But I mean, that opera is really special, and it's amazing that they have that such a great cast. Performed mm-hmm. it a few years ago, and they're bringing it back, and only for three performances. But it's mm-hmm. it's, but it's, really, it's special work. Uh, is that the, the one at the end of the season that they, they normally yes. have one where they just do a few? Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's, the last, that's the last I, production. I've heard legends, like that particular production of Dialogue of the Carmelites, I would say amongst diehard New York audiences is like a legendary mm-hmm. thing yeah. because it's one of those things where the story that I've always been told is that the Met basically wanted a new production of Dialogue of the Carmelites but had almost no money to produce it and so they gave the director designer an extremely strict budget and the result was just this artistic masterpiece that blew Oof. everybody away right. and so it's it really is a piece of like new york legend this production and everyone that comes to lectures and things that the met opera guild always talks about like the one time they got to see dialogue of the carmelites so it's nice. haunting it's haunting. Mm-hmm. I, mean, it's a, it's I saw it the last time they re- they brought it, and it was just real. I mean, just watching that is really special. It's it does something it's, to you. It's one of the the most theatrical productions that they have, and it's not from this this. It's it's a theatrical production. It's not even new, but mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, right. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll be another one where, with only three performances and with that cast, uh, yeah, you better see get it. your tickets quick. If, one would if hope. One yeah. would hope. <laughs> I just want to go one last opera for the U.S. because yeah, um, uh, uh, Florencia en, en el Amazonas mm-hmm. is one of the greatest, uh, in my opinion, um, modern works. Uh, Daniel Catan, a great Mexican con- composer, and of course Ana Maria Martinez, who I think is one of the greatest opera singers that we have today. Yeah, she's uh, fantastic. Is is making her is is going to be returning to that role. So I think it's something you cannot miss. Uh, every time it's given, especially and, with, with this soprano. And where is that? That's a Houston. Oh, Houston. Grand Houston. Houston Grand. And I mean, again, Houston Grand's an opera company that's also wonderful to see their story of the last year because of what happened last year. The company yeah. right. had all those difficulties, and, and to see that they're still going and they're still going strong, that's that's special. So, of course, we can't we can't recommend that enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now we can shift gears and now we can go to Europe. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know. I'm, I I feel bad for trying to rush that process. We would have we would have missed out on some great uh, great nuggets there. So I'm glad that you guys had so much <laughs> to talk about. Let me just clarify about. that doing this and like bringing this list down to like less than twenty productions was yeah. really hard. <laughs> I know it's yeah. amazing. You know, with, I, know, I mean, with I you guys, when you guys know most everything that's going on or, you know, as much as possible, I, I would imagine that just depending on the day or the week, you could have something else that you're, is that's like your true. most exciting yeah. thing. That is yeah. very it's true. It's very true. It's very difficult because you have so many and, and great because... singers, up and coming singers, great operas, mm-hmm. new operas. So you can't really. And, and the way that we decided to do this, which is one per company, you know, when we're going through some of these companies and, and picking, we kind of, it was very difficult. Right. To, to, yeah. to just I... say one per company because some, some companies have amazing programming for the whole year. So. Yeah. Especially over in Europe, I have to say. Europe has <laughs> yes. really great stuff. All right, Opera After Dark listeners, that is where we are going to end part one of our discussion with David and Francisco Salazar of Opera Wire. 
Uh, as you can tell, in our next episode, we'll be jumping into what you all can look forward to in the upcoming season from European opera houses. So make sure you listen next week uh, so you can get their take on, on what's going on this year. In the meantime, uh, please make sure that you like us on Facebook, that you're following us on Instagram. Uh, We have lots of great stuff in store for you this season. Uh, And thanks, as always, for listening in to Opera After Dark. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 